Hey y'all, welcome to Common Era, a podcast presented by the Consulate General of Ireland in Atlanta. This podcast explores shared ties between Ireland and the American Southeast. Folks, it's the end of November, and I can guarantee you that aside from pulling out holiday decorations, most Southerners out there are tuning in on the edge of their seats to the last SEC and ACC games of the year. If you're unacquainted, that's Division I College Football's Southeastern Conference and Atlantic Coast Conference. But as the guest of today's episode will share, it's not just Americans tuning in or playing for the ACC for that matter. County Kerry native David Shanahan grew up as an avid Gaelic football and rugby player, but he had a dream and the skill to play another type of football on the U.S. stage. So in 2020, even before playing in a single American game, he earned a full scholarship as a punter for Georgia Tech. And I'm honored to have him on as a guest today. I've heard you're the first Irish native to get a full scholarship to an American school for football. Yeah, yeah. I basically started out growing up, I mainly played Gaelic football and rugby. Those were my two main sports. I'm from Castle Island, so it's in Kerry, it's kind of in the southwest, so it's really football country. Um, So, yeah, growing up, and basketball is actually pretty big there, too. So I kind of followed American sports a little bit through basketball. I'd known of, um, I guess, the NBA and all that, and then I kind of got into college hoops. Um, And then naturally, that kind of led me out of college football. So, like, growing up as a teenager, I'd always played Gaelic football and rugby, um, but I always kind of had a fascination with, with American football. Um, and uh, I just thought it was a really cool, really cool sport. I really loved the, the whole culture around it, especially college football. Um, so when I was kind of, um, I guess, 16 or, or 17, I kind of noticed that a lot of the a lot of the punters in uh, college football were Australian. Um, they'd obviously come from AFL backgrounds. So that's Australian football. Um, it's really similar to Gaelic football. Just kind of use a different ball. Um, and that's kind of how I kind of got into American football. Where would this be in the timeline before you started applying? So I was uh, 16 or 17. I just started kicking American footballs by myself. Um, I just kind of learned off YouTube and stuff um, and just to see if I was any good at it. And just trying to compare myself to guys that were already there. And then I saw that um, so all the guys from Australia, they're all coming from this one place called Pro Kick Australia, they're like a punting academy um, in Melbourne, Australia. And it's run by two guys, um, John Smith and Nathan Chapman. So I messaged them on Instagram one day. I was like, I was 17 or 18 at the time. And I sent them some film of myself kicking. And I was like, um, whatever, 17, 18, I'm from Ireland. Um, I was just kind of shot in the dark, see what they'd say back. And then one of them, one of them messaged me back on Instagram, John Smith. And he said he was in Manchester at the time. And he fly to Dublin to watch me kick. Um, so basically just went up to Dublin with my mother. It's about you know three and a half hours from Kerry. Um, we just we just um, we just went in some field beside an airport and uh, he watched me kick for like an hour or two. And then he basically kind of said that if I moved to Australia and you know committed it to it for a year that I could I could possibly get a, a scholarship to to an American university. So, so that's what I did. Wow, that's fantastic. How common would you say it, how common is American football in Ireland? Um, it's definitely growing, um, especially the NFL. I mean, because kind of the way Ireland sports are structured, like Gaelic football kind of ends at the time the NFL season is starting um, and rugby's kind of quiet at that time sometimes. 
Um, so kind of like Sundays in the fall, um, there's really like an open slot for sports. So I think Sky Sports started showing NFL games. Um, so it's kind of it's kind of getting a lot bigger following. Obviously, they're they've played college football games in Dublin for the last two three years. Um, and there's another one. I think Notre Dame's playing Navy next September. Um, so yeah, it's definitely it's definitely growing. I saw that you faced off against another Irish punter from North Carolina a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, Ben Kiernan. Uh, yeah, Ben grew up in Ireland, and I think he, I think he went to high school in America. Um, but there's a there's a kicker for Rutgers. His name's uh, Jude McIntamney. He's he's from Derry, so he's from Ireland as well. So he he went through pro kick as well after I did. Okay, so it's it's quite the year for Irish football. Yeah, yeah. You applied around the time of 2020, with uh, yeah. So I kind of I committed to Georgia Tech in um, I think it was May 2020. Wow. And obviously that was kind of peak COVID. Um, so I'd, I'd flown home from Australia at the time. And I was actually, when Georgia Tech offered me, I was actually, I was doing my two weeks quarantine, having flown home from um, Australia. So yeah, it was just kind of, um, yeah, it was just funny. It was funny process being kind of just on my own, away from Australia, away from America. So I obviously committed in May 2020, but I didn't actually get to Georgia Tech till uh, June 2021. So it was, it was a bit of a way, but it was definitely worth it. Now, with experience with Gaelic football, could you describe some of the basic differences in the rules of the game, which at least to me seems quite different? Probably the easiest comparison is kind of like a mix between soccer and rugby. Um, it's kind of like soccer, you're allowed to use your hands. You're basically just trying to get the ball and the goals. Um, so you get it in the goals with three points. If you get it over the goals and between the posts, it's one point. Um, but there's definitely, um, I mean, there's similarities. I mean, they're both very physical, fast-paced games. Um, but yeah, it's probably more akin to soccer. If I was explaining it to someone who'd never seen it before. Sure. Yeah. And how would that also compare to to hurling? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't even try to compare to hurling. Honestly, same <laughs> <laughs> thing. Um, as hurling field hockey and lacrosse they have lacrosse over here um that's kind of has shades of hurling in it um so that's that's what i'd say about hurling have you been surprised to see how popular the gaa is here as well even though it's mostly on a club level yeah i know that's been cool um i just got to go out to a gaelic football tournament that was in uh, atlanta last june um so that was cool I i definitely didn't know there were that many teams especially in like the southeast you know, everyone knows there's like a lot of Irish people around kind of Boston and New York areas, so you'd, you'd expect that. But um, yeah, I didn't I didn't know there was such a big uh, contingent down the southeast. No, football is such a major part of culture in the southeast. What would you say some of the cultural differences might be between the popularity of Gaelic football in Ireland and then also with uh, football here in the southeast from what you've been able to see? I would say, I mean, Gaelic football, where I'm from in Kerry, is it's definitely a religion um, down there because it's all, you know, countryside. It's all small towns. Um, so it's kind of very similar, similar vibe to, you know, college football down here in Georgia. But, I mean, it's just on a different scale over here. Um, just the size of the stadiums and the commitment of the fans. It's just, it's definitely, um, it's definitely on a different level over here. What blew me away, though, is... Croke Park is, I think, the third largest stadium in Europe, if I'm getting that correct. Yeah. yeah. And it's not for a professional sport. Yeah, no, it's purely amateur. Yeah. 
Is there anything else you would like to share? So there's definitely a definitely a pathway for more Irish guys to come over and try to be either kickers or punters in college football, just because you kind of, if you grow up playing Gaelic football and rugby, like most Irish Irish lads do, um, you just kind of have a skill set that it's kind of in you because you're doing it from such a, such a young age that it's, um, it, it makes it easier to make that transition. Thank you so much, David. I, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. The Aer Lingus College Football Classic, played in Dublin by U.S. teams each year, is a massive boom for Irish tourism. According to Fulcher Ireland economists, the game will have a direct economic impact of 147 million euros in Ireland next year. To share a little bit more about this groundbreaking game, we have another special guest on the show today. My name is Brendan Meehan and I am the commercial director of the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. And essentially, um, the history of college football being played in Ireland dates back to the mid 80s. And um, it comes from, I suppose, it, you know, the two original founders were Don Keogh, the chairman and CEO of Coca-Cola, and Martin Nocton, one of Ireland's leading entrepreneurs um, and the founder of Glen Dimplex. And the origins of college football being played in Ireland goes back to these two gentlemen where Martin was worried about Ireland's diminishing influence in Washington and the fact that um, our ancestry was being diluted. So, for example, if you are an Irish person in the States, you are hugely passionate about Ireland. If your father or mother were, or if your first generation were, you were, you are too. And if you're second generation, that's diluted. And if you're third generation, it's kind of gone. So, you know, he was worried about that. And Don Keogh was very much worried about the um, Americans being insular and not having passports and not looking beyond their their borders. So the two gentlemen came up with the idea of playing college football in Ireland. That would strengthen ties between US and Ireland, and it would also encourage US people to travel. And bringing it up to the more up to date. So um, I work with a company called Irish American Events Limited, and Irish American Events Limited are essentially are the organisers or, or the promoters of the Erlingus College Football Classic. And Irish American Events Limited were involved in the games in 2012 and 14 and 16, which were all played in Ireland. They were kind of ad hoc games that were played by coincidence every two years. They then signed up to a series, to be a five game series to begin in 2020. So the idea here is that we would put structure around it. We would get it on the calendar as an annual game that we would you know, build a sustainable, viable and, and long lasting proposition and brand here in Ireland where the first game of the US college football season will be played. We got Aer Lingus on board as a title sponsor and the government of Ireland also came on board. Um, the 2020 game between Notre Dame and Navy was cancelled obviously because of COVID and the 2021 game was cancelled also because of COVID where the University of Illinois were meant to play the University of Nebraska. So the first game of the five game series was played this year where Northwestern University based out of Chicago, North Chicago played the University of Nebraska and it was on week zero. So it was played, it was an official competitive game that was plucked out of the calendar and brought forward and played on week zero. So essentially the week before the real college football season um, got going, we had um, just under 15,000 Americans travel for it. Um, that number was impacted by COVID. Our, our projections had 18,000, but that was cut back because because of COVID. We had around 3,500 from Europe, Europe and we had about 25,000 
in the stadium from Ireland, so domestic focused. The second game of our series will see Notre Dame bringing a home game, which they've never done before, to Ireland, and they will play the Naval Academy next August. And then we are working on future games. And we are working with our partners, both Aer Lingus and our private partners and the government, that this becomes, this goes, Molly, far beyond the five games, that this becomes a regular um, occurrence in the calendar in Ireland every year. And, you know, we build something really cool from there. You know, we expect 40,000 Americans to come in from Notre Dame. There's substance behind that figure because we had to we had to refund just over 39,000 for the game in 2020. That didn't happen. And we had north of 35,000 people here in 2012. It'll be by some distance the largest inbound tourism event into Ireland next year and per, perhaps ever. And it'll be the largest movement of, of U.S. people into Europe since the 2012 game, which before that it would have been the war. So we're not taking this for granted. It's absolutely huge for Ireland. Um, and I suppose that's kind of a brief history and the origins of college football being played here in Ireland. That's incredible. How are the teams chosen to play each year? So Irish American Events Limited is a partnership between a company in Ireland, which is run by Pork O'Kane, um, called Corporate.ie. And a company in the US, which is called Anthony Travel, founded by John Anthony, and which is now part of the On Location Group. And essentially, John in the States is sourced with the task of sourcing the school. So he essentially, through his connections, um, he he would source the universities. And our model works insofar as, um, you know, we we would essentially buy out a game of the home university. So these universities would make X from hosting a home game. And we would have to match that and encourage the away team to also travel, the away university to also travel. So it's extremely tricky because, um, you know, fixtures are um, confirmed far in advance, but in other times they're not confirmed. So for 24, the likes of UCLA and USC are joining the Big Ten Conference. There's a lot of movement, so, you know, securing a game for 24 um, we have a number of them in the pipeline, but we don't have one secured yet. Well, we do have games very much secured for the likes of 26 and 27 and beyond that. Um, but there's a lot of change in, in the collegiate um, conferences over the next couple of years. Um, so, but it, it is, so, so John, through his connections, is sourced with getting it, uh, getting the games. And ultimately, it comes down to like the two most important people that we find are the coach of the team. So if the coach doesn't want to play in Ireland for whatever reason, it's not happening. And if the athletic director does not want to play in Ireland for whatever reason, it does not happen. And there are tons and tons of reasons. These people are under huge pressure. They're very well paid. They need to get wins. They're not going to come here just because they think it's good for the university. They think it's good for Ireland or the US. They're only going to come here if they think, and rightly so, that this could benefit them in terms of, you know, recruiting, winning a game, having a better season. That's their job. Sure. Now, other than I saw Georgia Tech on the list and other than some of the teams you mentioned, what are some of the other teams that have played in the past? Yeah, so if we go back even in the more modern history, so in 2012, Notre Dame would have played Navy. Um, in 2014, Penn State would have played, uh, pretty sure it was Central Florida. And then in 2016, you're right, Boston College played a whole game against Georgia Tech. And 
Um, you know, we had a delegation from um, Atlanta, from the state of Georgia, including the governor over for that. So there's huge political, business, networking, academic, social, sporting, cultural ties. And that's ultimately what we're trying to do. You know, we're, you know, the, the steering committee would say that we're, we're not in this to bring the kind of pageantry of gridiron to Ireland. We're in this to strengthen the ties between Ireland and the U.S., and to create new ties and they come in all forms, whether it's through third level education or through business or through cultural or whatever it might be. The game will always be the focal point of, of the week. Um, but there are so many events that go on around that. Well, especially just from my background here in the South, it's amazing to see how an amateur sport like college football is so much big business. It really is. So. Yeah. And Molly, it's, it's, and one of our jobs and my job is to, I suppose, educate the Irish audience about that. Like you, you probably know a bit about GEA here in Ireland, which is an amateur sport as well, but which, and, and we can equate to college football in a way, like an All-Ireland final day, which essentially is your kind of Super Bowl or your playoffs in college football. You have 80,000 people packed into Crow Park to watch amateurs play, um, you know, the final of their sport. And we are hugely passionate about the GEA and the counties we come from and, you know, the vast majority of people would follow them, you know, follow them religiously year in, year out. And and you can equate that to college, you know, the players don't get paid and you can equate that to college football where up until this year, yeah, there's, they can, you know, they can um, they can benefit from the, the new name, image and likeness um, initiative. But ultimately, they are amateur players and they are playing in front of, you know, 50, 80, 110,000 people week in, week out. It's it's phenomenal. And, and to you know, when you separate college football out from the NFL and you look at it across all parameters. So when you measure it in terms of revenue in stadium audience um, and advertising, all the rest, it's the second biggest sport in the States after NFL. It's bigger than MLB. It's bigger than the NBA. And for us to kind of educate the Irish audience about this, that this is something huge coming to Ireland. That's part of our job, too. Other than the classic, how would you say you have seen Irish interest in American football develop over the past couple decades? I think it's been huge. It's been absolutely um, like when I was, you know, twenty odd years ago, it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been um, too available on on television. Now it's covered by Sky Sports. It's on television in Ireland morning, noon, and night. The Red Zone on a Sunday night is huge. But we also have access to the college football. So Sky Sports have a relationship with NBC. NBC, uh, you know, have um, the rights to all Notre Dame's home games. So essentially, all Notre Dame's home games are on Sky Sports in Ireland. Um, and certainly, you know, you've seen over the last few weeks the the growth of the NFL and the likes of London and Germany and college football is following that. And in Ireland, you know, we now have um, we work very closely with American Football Ireland, which are the governing body of American football in Ireland. And we you know, it's on it's on the rise here. There are more than 3000 people registered to play here. There is a full league. You know, I was at the final of that earlier in the summer up in Belfast and Raven Hill. It's growing all the time. The participation is growing, but the interest in it is growing. Like there are more than, you know, 52 million registered um, American football fans in the UK and in Germany. You know, there are more than 12 million playing the game in both those countries. So in Europe and in Ireland, it's growing all the time. Do you think you would ever see that interest build to have a professional uh, league in Ireland or is that yet to be seen you think? yeah no it's yet to be seen but it is being talked about and we have had conversations with people um it's a different model um the uh, you know an nfl game is very much focused at 
the audience in where it is. So, for instance, you know, the games that have been in London or the games that have been in Munich, you you know, more than 92 percent of people who go to those games live within three hours of those cities. So, you know, ours is much more of a tourism proposition. We want to bring the Americans with us and with the game. Um, you know, we we are funded or we, we sit within the Department of Tourism and Sport here within the major events division. So it it, it is a, a different model, uh, but certainly it's something that Ireland in the future at some stage would, you know, would, would love to have. Great. And so for the upcoming game next year on August 26, what would you like to share so that these viewers know what they're getting into, what to look forward to in the next game? This is this is going to be. We can't kind of overestimate how big this is going to be. We were in Notre Dame last weekend, a delegation of 30 Irish um, people, which was led by the Minister of Public Expenditure and Form, Michael McGrath, and also the chair of the Senate, Mark Daly, with us. Um, and we had, you know, we had senior executives from um, the government agencies and from Aer Lingus and from our other private partners. And Ireland is getting in behind this. The people who travel are going to have um, a very very warm welcome it would be difficult to get tickets tickets will go on sale in the new year initially through the universities and uh, through Notre Dame and through Navy at the moment hospitality packs and um, um, travel packs are are available through NotreDameToIreland.com but in terms of it's it's going to be huge um, Ireland is ready not alone is Dublin ready but the, the country of Ireland is ready all our data will show that these people stay for about 6.8 nights so that, you know, they're going to visit three different destinations and we're getting geared up for them. This is going to be, it's going to be like nothing we've ever seen before. Excellent. And are there any social media handles or websites you'd like us to post when we post this podcast? We are the Erlingus College Football Classic. So we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. Um, and it's something where we've we're recruiting for at the moment now. So it is something that we're going to, you know, our whole social presence and our marketing presence um, and digital presence. We're going to we're going to build up over time. So certainly we'd we'd love you to uh, tag us in. Excellent. Well, Brendan, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. No, oh, Bonnie, thank you very much. Well, that's all she wrote. Thanks for joining us this time on Common Era. Gura Mahaguith Agaslanaguith Aharja. 